Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, We're going to dive into the Word of God uh, this morning. Thank you so much, team. The Holy Spirit will not leave when you leave, but He'll stay with me. But thank you so much. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Frank. I'm just saying he's a good man of God and he's single. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. And if you ever join our worship team, I'll give you a personal ad. I need to muck around with you a little bit because what we're going to talk about is actually really quite serious and it's going to be quite heavy. So I, I just need you to breathe. I love you, but I'm, we're going to speak some straight truth today and I don't believe that you have come to church to be entertained. I believe that you and I have come to church in order for the Holy Spirit to tell us truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Create freedom in your life, the true freedom that comes from God, not the cheap alternative. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to take advantage by the fact that it is the first Sunday of the year. And I know right around this auditorium and certainly online, many people have made New Year's resolutions. They vary Uh, in form. Some have made New Year's resolutions when it comes to their finance. Some have relationship goals. Others have travel goals. And definitely, most definitely, and 100%, some will have some health and weight goals. (laughs) But what I'd love to do today, by the power of the Holy Spirit and His presence, is integrate what if, what if, what if, God had a goal for your life and for my life and he wants it to be the priority number one in your life and he is not making a small request but he is commanding a priority number one in your life and my life for 2022 because I believe that God actually is commanding a priority number one goal for your life and my life this year. Here it is in simple format, exactly what God wants. God wants this year for your life and my life, you to do, me to do exactly what God wants. Not generally what God wants, not in the vicinity of what God wants because that's previous years but exactly what God wants. I wanna let you know that the Holy Spirit is not too happy with a church having a million dollar body and a 10 cent spirit. That is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. That is the ways of the culture. That is the way of the world. And I wanna tell you what, we are living in intense times, not because of a pandemic, not because of Satan and his works, but because the Lord God Almighty is culminating the apex of his agenda and we are living right in it. And Amy Christianity will not cut it. We're either gonna do this thing right with the Lord or we're gonna go with the flow and be swept away with the waters of Noah. 
exactly what God wants is what the Lord is demanding. And here's the thing. Someone might be already thinking, well, can I even know exactly what God wants from my life? I wanna commit to you absolutely and yes, because, and he, I wanna encourage you right at the outset, uh, take notes. The reason I want you to take notes, honestly, I don't care if you amen me or not. Amen, not amen. I, I was just gonna tell you what God said to me and that's it, right? So amen or not, amen, all good, right? But I do care that you take notes. The reason I care that you take notes is I believe if the Holy Spirit's got something to say to you, He does not want you and I to forget it. He wants you and I to meditate on it, mull over it. He wants to speak to you. He wants to unpack it again and again and again and again. Please take notes, not just mental notes. We all have phones. Come on. Here's the thing. The Lord in the book of Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul, chapter five and verse 17, he says, do not be unwise, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what that means? If I don't understand the will of the Lord for my life, if I don't understand the assignment of the Lord for my life, I'm going to live foolishly. I'm going to make all kinds of mistakes that take me away from destiny, from calling, from assignment, from the intent of the center of God's will for your life and my life. God is not going to mumble or hide His will. Would you open up with me to the book of Acts chapter nine? We're going to platform our conversation from the apostle Paul's life. Book of Acts chapter nine. This is the encounter on the road to Damascus that Paul had. When he fell from his horse, he was trembling and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I wanna stop there for a moment. Here's the thing, as soon as Paul encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, as soon as he was born again, he said two things. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wanna commit to us today that they are indivisible. They are twins. If you're going to call Jesus Lord, it must be followed by the question, what do you want me to do? Because the truth is this, I cannot call Jesus Lord and live on my own terms. I cannot call Jesus Lord and then live for my own purposes. I cannot call Jesus Lord, live for my own agenda. To call Jesus Lord means I have dethroned my good self off the throne of my life and I have appointed a new regulator, a new governor, a new Lord, a new Kyrios over my life. He's the one that now calls the shots. I no longer live for myself. I no longer live for the right postcode, the right holiday. I am living for the eternal purposes of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? The second thing that I want you to know that as soon as he asked the question, Jesus answered. He said, arise, go to the city and you will be told what you must do. What am I saying? I'm saying this to you. If anybody with a sincere heart, not playing Christianity, but seriously born again saying, God, I want to do exactly what you want. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will not mumble. He will tell you exactly what your life assignment is. 
you will not be misled, you will not go astray, you will not be confused. So much so that Jesus not only downloaded spirit to spirit, his intent in the Apostle Paul's heart told him exactly what he must do. They said to him, arise and go and stand in your feet because in three days, I'm gonna send you a complete stranger who knows nothing about you, who's going to tell you word for word what I have told you. Meaning, he will make sure you hear it. He will confirm it. God is not going to mumble if the posture of your heart is, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He will not mumble. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss out on this thing called life. If God has an assignment for me, I wanna live it. So Ananias in verse 16, the Lord appears to him and said to him, go, he's now talking about Paul, he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. He said to him, you go tell him, they are my three priorities for his life. Priority number one, he will go to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Priority number two, I'm going to put him before high government officials. Priority number three, give the leftover to the Jews. But he's called, he needs to go to the nations. I am calling him to the nations. You go confirm. Do you know the Apostle Paul, last bit of a lot of reading. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 26. The Apostle Paul tells us firsthand what Jesus had said to him. Jesus said to him, book of Acts 26, 16, rise and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose. I'm gonna pause there. Do you know that the Lord came into your life for a purpose? Do you understand that the purpose was not just to have you saved? That's part of the purpose. Do you understand that the the, the purpose of your life is not just to have you blessed? That's part of your purpose. But can I just say, that's a real tiny part of your purpose. Don't live for it. That's the byproduct. When he said to Saul, back then he said to him, I have appeared to you for this purpose. Your life has a divine, eternal assignment. There is not a person under the sound of my voice whom the Lord has appeared to you, not unlike Paul, your life has a grand, eternal purpose. And I wanna tell you, no matter what has anybody has said about you, a thousand voices on the streets are thrown out by one voice from the royal palace of heaven. I have appeared to you for this purpose. And then he goes on to tell Paul what the assignment for his life was. You're gonna be a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen and the things that I'm gonna yet reveal to you. I'm gonna deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. He told him exactly the same thing. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Now, can we talk? Give me a nod or something. Thank you. Let me start off by saying this to every single one of us. The day, the day that you said yes to Jesus, the day, the moment that you were born again, 
the will of God was deposited in your spirit of your life assignment. Now, for some of us, it may take a little bit of time to become clarified, but on the day of your conversion, God put the seed of your assignment and your future in your heart. He's not making a plan up as you go along, but He has put it in your heart. And that is really important for every single one of us to know because many of us have diluted the call of God on your life. Here's the thing, there's always going to be a gap between the time of your calling and the time of your appointing. There's always a process that God takes us through for clarification and preparation. But on the day you were born again, on the day, the will, the seed, the assignment of God was put inside of you. That's why the Apostle Paul says this, book of Philippians chapter two, verses 12 and 13. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do on behalf of His good pleasure. You know what the Apostle is saying? He's saying, work out what God has worked in. God has already put it in you. All now He wants you to do is now stay in step as He takes you through the preparation process for a collision with your destiny. Now, I need us to know that for a couple of reasons. Because, you know, sometimes we think, you know, God called Paul and you flick the chapter. You you just kind of like open up your Bible, you flick the chapter and all of a sudden, Paul is the Apostle Paul. But that's not true. A more accurate reading of the Word of God will show us that that's not true. Paul, in the book of Galatians, chapter one, verses 16 forward, that's why I'm asking you to take notes, says that he went three years. He didn't even go up to Jerusalem. He didn't even know the apostles. He had nothing to do with the apostles. When he did go up, he, he only saw kind of like two or three of them for 15 days. You know, during those three years, Paul served like a deacon. Okay, that's interesting. I thought God was sending him to the Gentiles to, you know, unlock nations and stuff. Yeah, okay, a deacon. Do you know seven years later, the book of Acts chapter 13, the book of Acts tells us that during that time in the church in Antioch, not in the church in Jerusalem, he wasn't even part of that. In the church in Antioch, Paul is named among the teachers. Do you know that he served as a teacher, not as an apostle? for a further seven years. Do you know that the time between his calling to the time of his appointing as an apostle was about 10 years? Now, why do I even mention that? I mention that for two reasons. Reason number one, many Christians are so frustrated between what's in their heart and what's in their hand. They're living in the frustration of the discrepancy. But here's what I wanna assure you of. I wanna assure you. If the language of your heart, if the posture of your heart is God, I want to do exactly what you want me to do. You will not be led astray. These are connecting flights that are necessary for your preparation. Don't get frustrated, yield to the process as long as the posture of your heart, not what I want, what you want me to do. Reason number two, and maybe even more important than reason number one, that gap of time is personally where I see most Christians go astray. 
It's in that gap that Christians dilute their call. It's in that gap that Christians begin to live for other things. They say, well, that's never going to happen. So they begin to live for the blessings of God rather than the God of the blessing. It's in that gap that Christians begin to live for themselves and their happiness. Whereas in the beginning, all they wanted to do, they said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to live for your purpose. Now they're living for their purpose. Now they're living for the career and the ladder, the corporate ladder. Now they're living for the things that they're going to acquire. Now they're setting up shop on earth while our citizenship is in heaven. Now Now they're living to be happy in the relationship. Now they're living in order to raise up the offspring and now they're living from holiday to holiday and they've stopped living what God said to them right at the beginning for His purpose I have appeared to you. The Holy Spirit is calling us back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for Him who died for them and rose again. The Holy Spirit will not compromise on this. I'm telling you now, fake church is to be a Christian who uses God for his happiness. True church is to be a Christian that serves God's purpose and pleasure. That's what happens in the gap. Do you mind if I get a little bit heavier? You're taking this really well. Can I tell you that partial obedience does not cut it? Partial obedience, I'm telling you now, men and women of God have tried it, including me right here. It doesn't work. It does not pay to partially obey. Better men and women than you and I have tried it and it does not work. Have a look at the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Book of Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord, this is Abraham, the father of faith. I really need us to note this. Now the Lord had said, if it's your Bible, please underline had said. Why? Because that's in the past tense. This was not a present conversation. This was a conversation God had with Abraham in the past. The Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The Lord gave Abraham four commandments. Can you see them? Get out of your country, from your father's house, from your family to a land that I will show you. Four commands. Can you see that? You know what Abraham did? Abraham obeyed command one and four. Left out two and three. Command one, get out of your country. He did that. Command four, go toward a country that I'll show you. He did that. Command two, leave your father. Command three, leave your relatives. Do you know what Abraham did? Abraham intellectualized his obedience. He said, that doesn't make sense. I've got an elderly father. There's no social security system. I'm going to have to look after my elderly father. It's only right. The voice 
of his conscience and the voice of culture was so loud that he obeyed that voice rather than the voice of God. Do you know what the Bible tells us? That's why it said, had said, if you reverse the chapter 11 in the book of Genesis, his father, a man by the name of Terah, had gone along with him to a place called Haran. And Abraham and his father Terah parked in Haran because his father got sick for five years. And after five years, his father died. Then his journey continued. You know what I'm saying? Partial obedience will delay your assignment. As a matter of fact, let me say a little bit more on that. Can I say to every single one of us, you may be in the right place, but if you connect yourself to the wrong people, you will experience delays. Takes Lot with him when God told him not to and all that happened between him and Lot were problems, heartache, pain every day. I wanna commit to us, it does not pay to partially obey. When God tells you something that does not make sense to you, do it anyway. When He tells you something that is countercultural, do it anyway. When He tells you something that significant others contradict, do it anyway. There is, the Bible tells us, Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's the way where we intellectualize our obedience. Can I commit to us who are sharing in this word today? Whatever God is telling you, do not annotate. Do not add your own interpretation. Don't do it. It doesn't work. And can I tell you how you know it doesn't work? Here, I'm gonna tell you what's going on inside you. Then you know it doesn't work. People who are not living in the center of their destiny, the center of their assignment, are always frustrated on the inside. So frustration comes and covenant blessings leave and I don't know why. But that's why. And I tell you, you could never, 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 never get rid of that frustration. You could never, 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 never experience the covenant blessings until you come back. To God, what exactly do you want me to do with my life? And I am willing to do whatever it takes. You'll always live in that frustration. I did for a long time. Living in the frustration of it all until my heart posture, I was ready to go, God, at whatever cost, it costs too much otherwise. Amen. Pastoral obedience doesn't cut it. That's what I love about the Apostle Paul. I wanna race with you a little bit. Book of Philippians chapter three. Have a look at the Apostle Paul. From verse four, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Can you see all of that? Do you know what Paul is saying about himself? He's saying, I am Hebrew through and through. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he was the chief Hebrew dude. Would you agree? He, he, he had the Star of David tattooed on his lower back. He had, he had a menorah on his calf. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the guy would wake up and sing the Jewish national anthem every morning and 
He's as Jewish as you can get. Do you know what the Lord says to him? I am sending you to the Gentiles. Paul says, Amen. Amen. He's like, I don't get it. But there was one good thing about Paul that I think you and I could really learn from. He was just pliable. He was receptive. He tuned his ear. He tuned his eyes. He tuned his heart. And whatever the Holy Spirit said, he did. Can I encourage us? When your heart posture, when my heart posture is, God, I want to live exactly for what you want, that the Lord will never mislead you and never, ever, ever take you somewhere where you're not meant to be. You know the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, all things work together for good? You know that one? Most of the church loves it. You know why most of the church loves it? Because they never read the full verse. They just read the first part of a sentence. All things work together for good. That means it's all gonna work out in the end, right? That's false theology. Can I read you the verse? The verse says that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Meaning, those who love God and therefore live for the purpose, the assignment, why God has dispatched you on earth, all things then are orchestrated by God to work out. What if I'm not living that second part? Well, I've got no right to that first part. That's the reality of it. That's why all things don't work together for good because some of it is our self-will and therefore it's consequences. But if we're gonna get real, this is what God said. God is saying, I just wanna encourage you. The Lord will give you interim stopovers. They may not make sense now, but they are for your development. Open up with me very quickly to the book of Acts chapter 13. A couple more scriptures and we're nearly there. Book of Acts chapter 13, look at this. In the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called him. Here's what I wanna say to you. I wanna say to you that the Lord orchestrated events to make sure that Saul got around people that would equip him for his next step. First of all, he never allowed him to go to the church in Jerusalem. He took him to the church in Antioch because he was going to send him to the Gentiles. Look at the list of people that he is joined to. This is the chief Hebrew. Keep that in context, the chief Hebrew. He goes to a man by the name of Simeon, Niger, the, the, the Bible calls it politely, a black African man. And he's now the Jewish man's best mate. He goes to another man, Lucius, again, of Cyrene, who happens to be from North Africa. He goes to another man, it even gets worse, Manian, who was a Roman who was brought up with Herod and was as pagan as you can get. What am I saying? That God was orchestrating the environment because He was sending Saul to the Gentiles, preparing him for his next step. What, where you may be right now is not your final destination. But if you are living with the heart trajectory of, Lord, I want to live exactly what you want. 
you can be guaranteed that the Holy Spirit is preparing you to dispatch you on time. You see, the Lord uses all kinds of different connecting flights. Just again, I want to encourage us to yield to the process. You will not be misled. I want to say one final thing to you before my assignment for today is finished. I want to say one final thing to you. If you are going to live with the trajectory of, God, I want to live for exactly what you want. Not for what I want, but exactly what you want. Here's the thing. Eventually, there's going to come a moment that launches you into the fullness of God's assignment for your life. You will not miss it. It's a moment so powerful that it's going to separate your past from your future. Book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the Holy Spirit, when He spoke to the church, He said, Now separate for me Barnabas and Saul. That now moment separated Saul's entire past from his future. How many of us here know Saul, the, Paul the deacon? It's like, who's that? Paul the teacher, who's that? Paul the apostle, we all go, yeah, right? That's how powerful that moment is. It totally separated his entire past from his future. And that's exactly what happens I want to let you know that as soon as one directive, one directive from the Holy Spirit comes your way, it brings your entire life into the climax of your assignment. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to live for. Don't want to live this whole thing called life and miss the point of why Jesus has appeared to me. I've got one piece of good news before I leave you today. Because I know it's been a bit heavy, but I tell you what, this is good news, not because it's manufactured, but because this is what God says. The good news that I wanna tell you is no matter how far off you have veered off track, it's a relatively quick process to get back right into the center and timing of God's purpose for your life. Abraham veered for five years. Moses veered for 40. It's a relatively quick process to come back. Can I show you how and then leave it there? I wanna give you two simple things as to how we get back, no matter, no matter how long it's been that I've been out of the will of God, that I haven't been living exactly what God wants, but that I've been living for myself as a Christian. Two quick things. Number one, if the horse is dead, dismount. Don't keep flogging life if it's not really working. If the horse is dead, dismount. If it's not working and it hasn't worked for a long time, it's not going to work in the future. If the horse is dead, dismount. If it's not working, it's not working. God is just getting your attention that that's not how it works. God is just saying, come back to the way that it works and the way that it works is to live exactly what God wants. That's one. Two is you literally 
make a covenant this very day, the second of the first 2022. You say, Lord, enough's enough. Now I'm going to live for exactly what you want. Show me what you want for my life and it's going to be my entire focus. Now here's the promise, the team can join me. Here's the promise, not my promise, not church promise, because none of that could be fulfilled. But God promise, here's what God promises. Please, if you have taken down nothing today, take this down. Book of Joel, chapter two and verse 25. The Lord says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Now, I need us to hear that properly. Would you mind just a couple of more minutes to unpack that? I will restore to you the years. If it's your Bible, circle years, years. Not a year, not a season, circle years. Circle it, circle it for two reasons. One. You may have been not in the centre of God's will, haven't lived for it, not for a year, not for two, not for three or four or five. It's been many years. It hasn't been a single season. It's been one season after another season, after another season, after another season, followed by another season. It hasn't been just one wave of loss. It's been one wave after another wave, followed by another wave and then another wave and another wave. You've had waves of losses in your life. You've had years of what seems to be wasted time, not on point, years and losses. Then now you look back into the natural eye, it looks impossible. But the Word of the Lord, not the Word of a church, not the Word of a man, the Word of the Lord God Almighty, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. If the church comes back, if I individually come back and say, Lord, enough's enough. Wasted enough of the past, but the future is before me. I want to live for exactly what you want. The echo of heaven. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust is eaten. That's God's business. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. 
I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.